When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, y'all? It's J.D. Pacal. Welcome into The Hard Count, the people show for every single thing that you know and that you love about college football. It happens here on a daily basis. Nick Bregg doing the heavy lifting. You can help drive the show by subscribing to the channel. It is game week. Last Sunday, it was game week, more or less. We were on the front step of game week. But today, being hard hat Wednesday, we are right in the middle of week zero. We have Mental Monday, we have Tough Tuesday, we have Today, Hard Hat Wednesday, you have No Sweat Thursday, Fast Friday, Game Day is Saturday, that's how we get down here on Game Week on the Hard Count. And I am so glad that you are here with us. You can also listen on podcast if you're into that sort of thing. So we're available via Apple Podcast, you got them, Spotify, we're there too. Wherever you get your podcast, the Hard Count is there for you. We got a great show lined up. Again, I am so glad juice that it is football season and i'm so juiced that you're here with us we have a little inventory we're going to take of the big 12 conference a couple new teams joining soon enough but what about 2022 what is the current state of the big 12 and how is that potentially going to shake out when it comes to this season also got to talk about the lsu quarterback battle got a little update for you there as it is now a two-horse race between Jaden daniels and garrett nussmeyer Going to give you the updates that we have there from Baton Rouge. Also going to talk about who has the most to prove in 2022. A lot of teams popped onto the scene last season, but when it comes to the 2022 schedule, who is it that has the most on their shoulders that they got to prove or that they have to somehow convince the nation of that, hey, they actually are for real. More on that when we get there. To end the night, we are going to talk about some picks for this coming season. We're going to we're going to make you some money. This season, yes, but even more so this upcoming first and second week of the college football season. I guess that's week 0 and week 1. Also going to name that segment, which I'm really excited about to talk that through with y'all. Going to start tonight off with a story. My wife and I flew to Dallas, Texas last weekend. This is right before week 0, and we went to a wedding. And I want to tell this story to provide a teach tape, if you will, which is what we call it, a a tape that you can watch, learn from, study, and understand how to proceed when you find yourself in this situation. So a teach tape for how to proceed with weddings around college football season. So the couple, one is an A&M grad, Texas A&M that is, one is a University of Texas grad. Okay, so notice the timing first and foremost. They did it right before week zero. I would venture to say there were venues that were available during week zero. There were, venture, there were venues that were available during the fall and winter season. But for them to say, no, I respect one, myself enough. I respect my future partner enough. I respect my guest enough. I respect the game of college football enough to not have it during the college football season. There's 16 weekends during the season and you have a myriad of other possibilities. So that's first and foremost phenomenal job by them in terms of timing second 
There was not one, but two fight songs that were played during the wedding. Both the Texas and the Texas A&M fight song were played. And I couldn't help, but as the A&M fight song was played second, just gaining the awareness of what was going on, that both fight songs were being played at arguably the most important day of both these individuals' lives, I just, I got goosebumps. I got chills. The game of college football was evident at this beautiful matrimony, at this beautiful intersection of their lives, they chose to also make their collegiate allegiances, it's a tongue twister for you, at the, I don't want to say the center, but it was definitely a bullet point of the ceremony. So congratulations to them. Again, a phenomenal example. If you are engaged, if you have aspirations to be engaged, if you have aspirations to ever have a wedding in general, this is how you get it done. Timing and then execution with having your fight song being played was a beautiful night. Can't say enough good things about it. We have football this week, folks. We have most notably, there's a lot of good games, but most notably, Nebraska and Northwestern are set to tee it up in Ireland. There are rumors, no confirmation, but Conor McGregor and Bono are set to potentially be doing the coin toss. Again, it's not confirmed, just rumors. It's definitely rumors. Nebraska comes into this game as a 13 and a half point favorite. Last year, they beat Northwestern 56 to seven. It's a big 10 West matchup. This means a lot to Nebraska in 2022, but even more so if you look at the story arc of how Nebraska could potentially play in 2022, this game means a lot. And if you've watched this channel, you know that I feel very strongly that Nebraska has a chance to do some good things this season and be able to potentially save Scott Frost's job. If they make a bowl game, the conversation is going to be a little bit easier. This is the first step in getting there. Because after this game, you have Georgia Southern, you have North Dakota. This is your first real chance to find out what you have under the hood. Because you do it against Northwestern, it's validated. You do it against Georgia Southern, you do it against North Dakota. It doesn't quite mean as much to you from a confidence standpoint. No knock on those programs. Northwestern just going to be a different caliber of football. So some things to watch for Nebraska. 15 transfers. This is one of the first times in the modern college football era we're going to be able to see a team with a virtual overhaul of their roster and have guys playing at key positions on their football team that were playing another school the year before. Casey Thompson is obviously going to be a guy that sets the tone for them at quarterback. For a lot of people's opinions in Austin, had a bad rap at Texas, did some good things there, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, says, I think I can have more coming my way at Nebraska. And with him being obviously at a new location, but having to learn a whole new offense, how does he look? How quickly does he hit the ground running? Are they able to utilize his skill set? In addition to that, his receivers, Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, are those guys able to get synced up? How far along are they in that process offensively? Really excited to watch that. That's going to be a key variable for them going forward in this game. In addition to that, the offensive line for Nebraska they like some of the pieces they have, but they're still mixing and matching and shuffling. Do they have that set up for success? Because if you win the trenches, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, you got a really good chance to win the football game. Lastly, special teams. Nebraska now has a special teams coordinator, which they haven't had ever under Scott Frost. Bill Bush is the guy for them calling the shots on special teams. Also have a new punter in Brian Buscini. He is the 
transfer punter from Montana, top FCS punter from a year ago. He's a guy they're going to depend on for some consistency because if you remember her season ago for Nebraska, there were quite a few games that were decided by special teams. Over Scott Frost's career, really, there's been a lot of games decided by special teams and Nebraska's deficiency in that area of the game. Excited to see how far along are they in these different areas. For Northwestern, that is a really strong backfield. That's what they're going to lean on. Evan Hull, 1,000-yard rusher a season ago. Oh, by the way, you have four-fifths of your offensive line coming back as well as the tight end. So for Northwestern, the formula is going to be pretty straightforward offensively, in my opinion. They're going to pound the rock, pound the rock, feed Evan Hull, and then Ryan Helinski, the South Carolina transfer, who ended up being the starter later in the year for Northwestern, they're going to ask him to do some things off play action. And once the run has set up the pass, Holinsky, a guy that people probably have mixed opinions about. I think he has the chance to be a really great quarterback, came really highly recruited out of high school. I think Northwestern could be the place he puts it together, but obviously a key variable for Northwestern in this game. Defensively, they get three-fourths of the secondary back, does Northwestern. They're excited for what they can bring to the table. think that's going to be a strong point for them throughout the season. Historically, Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald has been a pretty strong defensive unit. Like They took a bit of a step back last year, but usually you know what you're going to get from them. Can they get back to playing that tough brand of football, that hard-nosed Big Ten, we're going to just punch you in the mouth, play after play kind of brand of defense. That's what they want to do. Can they get back to that? Remains to be seen, but that's the approach for them up front. Adebare, one of their defensive linemen, number 99, he's going to be an NFL draft pick at some point in time, someone to key on throughout the game. If you're watching somebody on the defensive side for Northwestern, I would recommend him because he's going to do his best to be a game wrecker for Northwestern. So some keys to the game itself, like what are the deciding factors when it comes to this game? I think there's a couple of things you got to look at. First and foremost, is Casey Thompson as advertised? We talked about that a little bit, but with how I anticipate this game going, Casey Thompson has to be able to make some timely throws, has to be able to challenge vertically. Because we talked about it, Nebraska's offense is going to try and pass first to set up the run. We'll get to that more in a second, but Casey Thompson has to be a tone setter for them. Can he keep from making that big mistake? Can he keep from putting the ball in harm's way? And can he be on time with his receivers early and often? In addition to that, who wins the trenches? This is sort of a cop-out a little bit because you could really look at any game throughout the college football landscape and say, if you win the trenches, you're probably going to win the game. I think that is crucial. In Nebraska, with all they're trying to figure out on the offensive line, that's going to be a really key deciding point for them, a deciding factor, if you will. Now, here's someone that I want to talk about that I think will ultimately be a game-breaker for Nebraska. Anthony Grant. The number one running back at the junior college level was at Florida State, goes the JUCO route, ends up at Nebraska. He is a guy that is going to be RB1 to my understanding. Ramir Johnson will be the wide back. You'll see him in the backfield. You'll see him in the slot. He's going to touch the ball a lot. But Anthony Grant is going to carry the mail for Nebraska. So what does this come down to for us? Here at the hard count, I have a hard time buying into Northwestern's offense. Last season, They averaged right around 16 points a game. That is very bad. That's good for one of the worst in the country. And so if Nebraska can get some scores early, 
ideally in the explosive manner from Casey Thompson and company. If they can get some scores early, then I think you allow Anthony Grant to continue to go to work. You get him revved up because running backs are kind of like basketball players or good shooters, rather. After a couple shots go in, basket looks wider. After a couple big runs, the holes look wider. You feel faster. The tackles feel softer, and you start to gain some momentum. That's how I think this game is going to go with Anthony Grant. Because if Northwestern gets down early, starts to press, they have to play comeback mode, it's already over. So, for us, the first game that we're picking here on the hard count in the 2022 season, we are picking Nebraska to win. We are also picking Nebraska to cover. Roll party. So that's what you have for us. Nebraska covers 13 and a half and beats Northwestern to get the college football season started. Don't forget, though, you got Western Kentucky and Austin P in the fighting Nick Brakes from Western Kentucky teeing us off at noon Eastern. Very important. So the second game of the college football season, we got Northwestern Nebraska, Nebraska covering the 13 and a half. Let's talk about the Big 12, shall we? Let's talk about what is the state of the Big 12 even more so. Let's take inventory for 2022. I think very quietly, the Big 12 has been one of the most fascinating conferences to track with. And I've mentioned it in passing on different videos, but let's really take a deep dive into this. The Big 12 is in a major transition. Let's just call it what it is. Eight of the 10 schools either have a new head coach or a new quarterback. So at the most critical variables in your program, you have some newness. So ultimately, what is that? Whenever something's new, there's a question mark. Even if it's proven somewhere else, you still got to do it in a new environment. One of the schools that's not having to replace a head coach or replace a quarterback is Oklahoma State, and they're actually having to replace their defensive coordinator, who was leading, let's just call it what it was, the strong point of their team and how they were winning games last year. So there's even some uncertainty there. One of the other schools that isn't having to replace a quarterback or a head coach is Kansas. No disrespect to Kansas, but let's call a spade a spade. So ultimately, I think there's two scenarios that play themselves out when it comes to the Big 12 because of all of this transition. The first scenario is it's just gladiator style. Nobody's really a finished product yet. Nobody's really at their best. Everybody's vulnerable and everybody just beats the heck out of each other. Like I said, it's just gladiator style and nobody makes the playoff. Maybe the champion is a two to three loss team and that's just how this thing rolls. The other scenario is the Vanket throne scenario, meaning it's up for grabs. That seat is wide open at the top and one program or maybe two programs put it together quicker than the others. Because when there's a lot of transition, it's like you're trying to put together some sort of Lego piece. You're trying to build a, a Lego car. Sometimes you're messing around with those pieces, seeing which fits here. But if a couple of teams can put it together quicker, well, then those are the two that, in my opinion, are in pole position to be successful in the conference. So what I'm looking at most closely is four teams. There's a, I mean, like I said, anybody could win this conference. That's the beauty of this conference this year and ultimately college football as it stands. You could make an argument for Kansas State because of what Adrian Martinez brings to the table. You could make an argument for West Virginia because of JT Daniels and be re reunited with Graham Harrell. Those are all fair conversations, but to me, I think there's really four teams that we have to look at that have a legitimate shot at winning this conference. First and foremost, it's Oklahoma. Brent Venables, a first-time head coach, 
But with Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel, you've heard me say it a million times, if they get synced up, which is ultimately the hardest part of getting a successful offense is the offensive coordinator and the quarterback being on the same page with their history. If they can get synced up as an offense, meaning the receivers, Dylan Gabriel gets synced up the offensive line and Dylan Gabriel gets synced up. If they can all be on the same page quicker, which is the easier part of this transformation, they have a chance to get out of the gate fast because I just have a sneaking suspicion that with Brent Venable's history and his resume on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be able to make quick work over there. Schematically, I think that's going to be something that comes together sooner rather than later in the season. No pun intended. Next, I'm looking at 10. Excuse me. Next, I'm looking at Texas. For Texas, the defense has to figure it out. That is just a variable that has to come together for them. But when I look at the offensive side of the ball, I see a really high ceiling. I think Steve Sarkeesian does as well, and that's the reason why he went with Quinn Ewers. And so what I'm looking at for Texas is, let's just say the defense does figure it out, or the defense is par for the course, they're average. If the offense can be as special as we're talking about them being, even more so if Quinn Ewers can live up to his billing, well, then Texas is going to have a chance to make a case for themselves in the Big 12 Conference. Because if you've watched this show, you know how highly we think of Quinn Ewers. At the same time, we understand there may be some growing pains. Can you minimize those growing pains? Can you trust the running game with Bijan Robinson, allow him to do the dirty work for you, and then have the other variables come together around Quinn Ewers to allow him to be successful early rather than later? Because if he can live up to his billing, if he can figure it out early, watch out. Because the way people talk about Quinn Ewers, I mean, you would think he is the second coming in Austin. That's how highly they think of him. So how quickly does that happen remains to be seen. I'm not necessarily going to pick Texas in this segment to win the Big 12. I've already picked who I think the winner is. But what it comes down to is, is Quinn Ewers that guy? If he is, good things are happening in Austin. Next, you got to look at the returning champions, the Baylor Bears. They said no to their quarterback who won them the Big 12 a season ago, more or less. He didn't start in the game, but he got them to the Big 12 title a season ago. And they said, hey, we're going to go with Blake Shapin. We're going to go with the better arm, the guy who we think gives us a better chance to win football games. And they lose a lot on defense. I will admit that. They lose a lot on defense. They also lose their stud running back from a year ago, Abram Smith. So they got some holes to fill. But they still bring back seven guys on defense. They lost two guys to the NFL that are studs in Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. But they still have a lot of those guys coming back on defense that were there a year ago, most notably on the defensive line. Ron Roberts is a wizard defensively. Dave Aranda is a wizard defensively. If they can be multiple on offense, if they can still be able to score points and the defense holds up at their end of the bargain, which sounds like a simple formula, but in Waco, that's kind of how they do things, simple and easy. If they can execute to the degree they did a year ago and have the more vertical passing game, Baylor's going to be a force. I'm just saying it right now. They're going to be a force in this conference. They're a team that I expect to very much so be in the race when it comes to late November. So that's Baylor for you. Now, this last team, I was tempted to leave out of the conversation. But to be truthful, I left them out of the conversation in 2021, and they played for the Big 12 title. Oklahoma State 
like I mentioned, is one of those programs that does return a head coach, that does return a starting quarterback. You got Mike Gundy, a head coach, Spencer Sanders, a quarterback, but they lose their defensive coordinator in Jim Knowles. And like we already talked about, this defense won a lot of games for them a season ago. It was one of the best in the country. And so to lose the guy who was calling the defense for you, I think is a gaping hole. But Mike Gundy's a great head coach. They got to be better offensively. That's all it comes down to for me. The defense is not going to be nearly as good as it was a year ago. Can Spencer Sanders take that next step in what will be his last year at Oklahoma State? Because last year he was 20 and 12 in terms of touchdowns to interceptions. That's not nearly good enough. He has to be a better passer, and he has to ultimately just will this offense to more points. I think Mike Gundy will be instrumental in that, but Oklahoma State needs to be better offensively regardless. You cannot count out the Cowboys because of the reasons I just mentioned. Returning head coach, returning quarterback, they just find ways to get it done. Very curious about that defense, though, so it remains to be seen what happens there. Golly, a lot going on in the Big 12. So much to track there. You got UCF joining soon. You got BYU to join soon. Cincinnati, you have, uh, who who did I miss? UCF, Cincinnati, BYU. You remember, Nick? Houston. I think that's who it was, Houston. We got to talk about the LSU quarterback battle. It is QB1 reveal season right now. You got Jaden Daniels going for it. You got Garrett Nussmeyer going for it. And it is anybody's race. Brian Kelly had a press conference yesterday and he said it is close. If we took a vote in this room right now, you could probably get 50-50. So they're very close to picking a starter. We just got to talk about the evaluation of both these guys. And we also got to talk about what gives you the best chance to win going forward. Because that's what Brian Kelly is going to look at. So we're going to kind of solve that like an algebra equation. But Jaden Daniels, the, the notes on him are, hey, tons of ability, really good athlete. We saw some suspect things from him a year ago at Arizona State. 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Is he able to be the passer that they need him to be for them to be successful? But Jaden Daniels is the guy that it sounds like they're sort of leaning towards right now because of his legs. More on that in a minute. But Jaden Daniels, a guy that they are obviously excited about. They brought him to LSU. I don't think they brought him to LSU to just sit and hold a clipboard, but he's still got to win the job. And Brian Kelly is going to play the best guy. Make no mistake about it. Garrett Nussmeyer was originally, to my understanding, before this whole race even started, was on the outside looking in. Miles Brennan, a guy with tons of experience, was told... I guess it was a week or so ago, a little bit more than that, was told, hey, you're not going to be the guy. He says, thank you so much. I think I'm going to step away from football. And that's not a knock on Miles Brennan as much as I think it is a credit to Garrett Nussmeyer. Because Garrett Nussmeyer, by all accounts, has just continued to do the right things. Just has put his head down and worked. Was given awards for the way that he worked in the weight room, the way that he went about his nutrition, from the summer strength conditioning program. So he's a guy that they're excited about for the future. Also insanely competitive. That's the other note that you get whenever you talk about somebody in Garrett Nussmeyer. They just tell you, dude loves to compete. And that is crucial if you're going to lead a court, if you're going to lead a football team into battle as the quarterback. So when it comes to this battle for LSU, I think we need to treat it like an algebra equation, meaning we need to get to the answer and then solve for why. What is required of this football team? What is required for them to be successful at LSU in 2022? And we're going to solve for why, which is ultimately going to be the quarterback. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. Brand new offensive line. 
So what does that tell you? You probably need somebody who can compensate, whether that's getting the ball out quick. More than likely, that means being able to escape pressure. Because how many of you know, when you're breaking in some new big boys to that job, it might take a second for them to get synced up. So being able to take off and run and turn a sack into four yards, turn a sack into a first down, even to run out of a sack and throw it away, that's enormous. It cannot be overstated how important that is for your football team. In addition to that, the offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, he historically likes to call an offense for a dual threat quarterback. This is sounding more and more like it's taking shape, right? Jaden Daniels, if we're just solving for why, and this equation of the LSU quarterback battle fits the bill. Great runner, great athlete, can help erase some mistakes that this offensive line is going to make early on, is going to potentially have a more natural fit with the way the offense is called just from a base level. They're going to tailor the offense to whoever it is, but at a base level, Jaden Daniels fits that mold for what they historically would want in a quarterback. Now, here's my question. If Jaden Daniels is the guy who starts for you game one, is that his job or is that his role? Let me say it like this. Is it a marriage or is that more so a, hey, let's see where this thing goes. Let's see how Jaden Daniels does in game one. Yeah, we might need somebody to run around. We might need somebody to evade pressure to get out of a sack. Let's see where this thing goes. Or is it Jaden Daniels? It's your offense. You're our leader. Let's roll. Garrett Nussmeyer, we appreciate you. We may need you at some point in the year if Daniels goes down, but Jaden Daniels is your job. This is your team. Two very different conversations, two very different headspaces for a quarterback to be in, two very different headspaces for a coaching staff to be in. Because my belief is you play Jaden Daniels game one for all the reasons we've mentioned, but it's not a marriage. It's not locked in. In fact, I'd be surprised if we don't see Garrett Nussmeyer get some run early in the year. What I could very realistically see happening, and I've talked about this before on this program, it may be a matter where they just play the hot hand, and as this team develops, as this run game and the offensive line develops, you play the guy who's moving the offense the best. And with my own two eyes, from what I've been able to see, which is not behind closed doors, but from the spring game and from what I've heard, Garrett Nussmeyer adds a new element to this offense vertically. You got Kayshawn Boutte on the outside, one of, if not the best receiver in the country. He might be too good to leave off the field as this team matures. Now, how quickly, how quickly does that happen? Another thing to talk about, but I think it's worth at least mentioning that I don't think this is set in stone if Jaden Daniels is your starter game one. So again, I'll say, I think Jaden Daniels starts the year but I think Garrett Nussmeyer, by game eight, has the LSU quarterback job. That's just how I feel about it. Either way, it sounds like they feel good about going forward with either of those guys. And two ways to look at that. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Or you just have two quarterbacks, you make it harder than the coaching staff. That's how I think you would prefer to look at it if you're a fan in Baton Rouge. Who has the most to prove in 2022? A lot of programs can do it for a year. There's a lot of programs we've expected it from four years. But who has the most that is weighing on them when it comes to the 2022 season? I got four teams listed in front of me. We're going to go down the list here, walk it out, and just talk about 
what I think needs to happen and why there's so much weighing on them heading into 2022. We also posed this question on Twitter and a lot of you hit on the teams that I was already kind of thinking of. So great minds thinking alike here. The first team feels like a no brainer. It's Texas A&M. It has become the running joke that eight and four is sort of the norm in college station. And Jimbo Fisher is making a lot of money to go eight and four. Again, this is the national media view sort of talking right now. They need to be better, which sounds like a no-duh kind of statement. With all the talent they have in College Station, they are much better than 8-4. and four. Now, I will say it so y'all don't in the comment section, I picked Texas a to go 8-4. and four. Large part of that being, who's playing quarterback? It's a really big variable, right? It's like picking out a car not even knowing the engine. Who's playing quarterback for A&M? Going back to the car itself, though, a lot of pieces. Got Anaya Smith. Evan Stewart is allegedly him. You have Devon A-Chain, who is a track star and a guy who's supposed to burst out on the national scene this year. The defense is stupid. I mean, the defense is going to be ridiculous yet again. Do you have the piece to get to where you ultimately need to go and are capable of going at quarterback? I want to see it. I know everybody in College Station wants to see it. But if they go 8-4 and four this coming year, people are going to be unhappy. Jimbo's not getting fired. Make that very clear. He's not going to be on the hot seat, but people are going to start wanting to see some ROI. Now, I've gone on record. I think next year is the year for AM. I think next year is the year because they got the answer in the quarterback room and Connor Wegman, who's going to be a stud long term, but do they have it this year to get over that mark? The over under for them in Vegas is eight and a half. Now, I want to talk about this. Let's say they win 10 games. Actually, scratch that. Let's say they somehow find a way to win the SEC. I know this sounds far-fetched. Just roll with it. Let's just say they somehow find a way to beat whoever it is in the SEC title game. Jimbo Fisher will get the other guy's treatment in College Station. Free hot dogs for life. No drink. Can't, can't do drink. Sorry. But Jimbo Fisher will have a statue outside of Kyle Field if he ends up doing that this coming season. If he does it ever in College Station, they'll build a statue to him. But you get where I'm coming from with this. There's really high expectations. And there's going to be high praise on the other side of that if they achieve and surpass those expectations. But nevertheless, a lot to prove and a lot of pressure in Aggieland going forward in 2022. Second team we've got to talk about, the Clemson Tigers. The over-under for them is 10.5 wins. And it's funny to say there's a lot of pressure on them. They have the most to prove in 2022, but I think looking at the structure of Clemson and the way they've gone about this offseason, there is pressure for Clemson and even more so Dabo to prove that his way works. Because if you remember correctly, promoted inside for his coordinators, both OC and DC were on his staff and he didn't go out and do a national search. He said, these guys deserve the job. It's on me. It's on our culture for them to be named the guys. Now, interesting to cite culture there. Interesting to cite the way of doing things. That puts a lot of the pressure and responsibility on your way of doing things to ultimately produce results. They won 10 games a season ago, and that was a down year for them, which should tell you enough about what they've done in Clemson, South Carolina as of late anyways. But I think for Dabo, just to prove that, like I said, the way they do things 
is ultimately working for them. Talk about the quarterback position. DJ Uyungle threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and Dabo has gone to bat for him so publicly, which as a former player, I love. I mean, imagine being in your job, not having a great quarter, and then your boss going to the board and saying, no, this, this guy has got it. I'm telling you, I know what happened last year, but this guy has got it. Better put some respect on his name. That I mean, that promotes so much confidence in yourself. I mean, that would just do wonders for your psyche. And so again, it's great to say, it's a lot of fun to talk about, but you still have to prove it. You still have to prove that what you're betting on works. Spoiler, I think it will work. I trust Dabo, but it all remains to be seen in 2022. A lot to prove there for Clemson. Prove that the method works. Next, we go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. The over-under for the Wolverines is nine and a half. And Jim Harbaugh is coming off a year in which they went to the Big Ten title and won that deal. Then they went to the college football playoff and got curb stomped. It's not a knock on them, really, because Georgia won the whole deal and that's who they got curb stomped by. But for Michigan, I think they have something to prove in 2022 because you have to prove that this is now where you are in the college football landscape. It's one thing to do it for a year. I mean, ask Auburn. That's not an Auburn knock, but ask Gene Chizik. It's great to do it for one season, but if you can't follow it up the next year, it's sort of a one, I mean, what have you done for me lately kind of culture in college football. And whether that's fair or not, I'm not really here to talk about, but Michigan needs to prove that they are for real. They can string it together. You lose both your edge rushers to the NFL. You can still continue to win at the rate that you're honestly expected to at this point win at. With a brand like Michigan, with a coach like Jim Harbaugh, the way he does things, they now need to follow up a Big Ten title win with, in my opinion, at least a Big Ten title flirtation. Getting against Ohio State will be tough, but the schedule really isn't that difficult for Michigan. I mean, nine and a half, they really should be a 10-win team at the least. We'll see what happens there. But pressure on Michigan to show that 2021 was actually who they are and not just the result of a couple of wins that went their way or maybe they caught the right team on the right day, whatever it is. Michigan has to prove that they belong in the tier they put themselves in from a year ago. This is one I almost didn't add to the list, but looking at the win totals just up and down the board for the 2022 season, we got to put some respect on the Arkansas Razorbacks, y'all. The over-under win total for them is seven and a half. I understand the schedule is brutal. I mean, the schedule is just horrific. However, they won nine games a year ago. Bring the O-line back. Bring K.J. Jefferson back, one of the baddest men in college football. Sam Pittman has that culture revved up. Get a big-time transfer in Drew Sanders. Bumper pool's coming back. They got a lot of pieces coming back. Oh, by the way, Jaden Hazelwood on the outside. I think he's poised for a really big year. Seven and a half wins. I put them on this list because if I'm, if I'm Arkansas, I'm sitting there saying, that's all you expect from us? That's all you think about us is seven and a half wins? I mean, that's just a hair above making a bowl game. Did you not see what we did to people last year? Did you not see what has been built over the offseason? We got our quarterback coming back. 
For Arkansas, I think they have something to prove in terms of putting some respect on their name. And I'll be the first to say it. I'm pro Sam Pittman, pro Pitt boss, pro KJ Jefferson. I think Arkansas is going to smash that win total and send a signal to the rest of the country that Arkansas is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come as long as Sam Pittman is there. I mean, I am fully bought in. I am drinking the Arkansas red color flavored Kool-Aid by the gallon. I can't wait for that. So those are the four teams that I think have something to prove. Texas A&M, Clemson, Michigan, Arkansas, all coming into the year with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, excited to see how they handle it. Now it's time for our gambling segment. And before we get into the picks, we got to talk about what we're naming this. And I'm very fired up to reveal this. We're calling it Against the Suits. If you're familiar with the acronym ATS, which stands for Against the Spread, no, 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 no. Here on the hard count, we are against the suits. You want to know why? Because I have heard my entire life, house always wins. Vegas always wins. Oh, that's, that's what you get. Vegas always wins. Shut up. Shut, I mean, shut up. We are the people show here. And if I'm going to have some snob in Vegas who wears a suit and tie to work and runs whatever fancy hotel down there, take my money, I'm not going to stand for that. If that's going to be his operation, well, we got another thing coming because the hard count and the people show and the people behind this show are coming for all the people in suits down there in Las Vegas. I guess up there, technically. It's not about geography. You get what I'm saying. We're against the suits here. We're going to take back what's ours. The house does not win here. We are against the suits. Couple of picks for you. This is sort of a bonus one. We'll start out with the Arkansas seven and a half wins. Go ahead and book that. I mean, go ahead and put out whatever kind of money you want on that. Feel really strongly. I think Arkansas wins more than seven and a half games. KJ Jefferson, pit boss, for the reasons we already talked about, go ahead and smash that over seven and a half win total for Arkansas. Go ahead and get your money back. Get back what's yours from the suits. Looking at week zero, a game that we already took a little bit of a preview and prediction at earlier in the show, Northwestern and Nebraska in Ireland. Again, not confirmed, but Bono and Conor McGregor may or may not be there. Probably leaning towards the may not, but they may be there. The under on this game, or over under, I should say, is 49 and a half points. The schedule travel-wise for both these teams has been nothing short of gruesome. I mean, it has been atrocious what these guys have had to go through. Jump on a plane. Deal with jet lag. Knock off the rust. Get cut up on sleep. Also, by the way, Nebraska's rolling out virtually a whole new team. Northwestern was scoring 16 points on offense a season ago. I don't see a world where we see 50-plus points in this game from a total standpoint. People say life's too short to bet the over. Well, guess what life's too short to? Life is too short to be broke. So with that being said, we're taking the under. Taking back what's ours against the suits. We're taking back what's ours right there. Like I said, the international game, the jet lag, the team's getting synced up in week zero, under 49 and a half, excuse me, under 49 and a half points. Book it. I'm getting so excited. My heart's racing. My palms are sweaty. My knees are weak. My arms are heavy. No mom spaghetti, but we're fired up. That's why we're talking at this pace right now. Next, we got Vanderbilt at Hawaii. The line on this game is a Vanderbilt minus seven and a half. Listen. Vanderbilt has Mike Wright playing quarterback. And he said something at SEC Media Day that, quite frankly, I was bought in on. 
He's got a little brooch on or whatever it was. It was like a little pin. And it was a beetle. Whoever was doing the interview said, Mike, what does that pin mean? He said, a beetle can lift six times its body weight. I'm wearing this to let my teammates know that I have enough strength for all of us. I mean, he might as well have just dropped the mic right there. And for that reason, and for the SEC brand that Vandy has taken to Hawaii, I am taking them to put a beat down on the Rainbow Warriors and cover seven and a half. The Doors start out the season undefeated in a convincing win at Hawaii. It's our third pick of the day. I love that one. Finally, we got the backyard brawl. So this is some week one action. going to be a Thursday game. Keep an eye on this one. You got West Virginia and Pitt. West Virginia is plus seven in this game, which blows my mind. And I can only assume that that is because there is some NyQuil being taken and some eyes being covered and some soft pillows where they are sleeping on JT Daniels. To quote the great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, not so fast. We're taking West Virginia to not only cover the seven. If you want to take a money line, we're not going to announce that on this show, but you go ahead and do so. West Virginia plus seven, go ahead and lock it up. I think JT Daniels lights it up and reminds everybody why he was him coming out of high school and why he was ultimately going to be the guy for Georgia heading into last season. Some things happened there. We're not going to talk about it. JT Daniels, West Virginia, get back on the right track, and you get back on the right track. We all get back on the right track as the people take back what is ours against the suits, and that is how we're rolling. So to recap, Arkansas, seven and a half wins, book it. Nebraska and Northwestern, the under in an international game, we'll take that as well. Vanderbilt going to Hawaii, Minus seven and a half. Oh, we love to see it. The backyard brawl, West Virginia covers the seven to get us what is ours. So that's it for us here on the hard count. It is game week. It is hard hat Wednesday. I'm going to add one to it right now. Showtime Sunday, six central. We are going to be on the air, on YouTube, on this channel right here, both Wednesday and Sunday. So that's six central, seven Eastern. We're going to have a show lined up for you. Again, we're also on podcast. A five-star review is appreciated and encouraged there. And it just helps us do more of what we want to do and more of what you want us to do. It is game week. I don't think I've said it enough times. I'm so fired up. I'm so fired up you're here and a part of this. Golly, football is back. Football is back. No time for wasted movement. No time for loafs. Got to get your mind right. Again, appreciate you tuning in. We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.